You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What up, Toronto Raptor fans, the dedicated few up at this late hour. I am your host, Aiden Moss. I am alongside my compatriot, Keon Rad. What's up, Keon? I do. <laughs> um, we just watched uh, the Utah Jazz somewhat easily uh Beat, beat up the Toronto Raptors 131-28. And I do say beat up because this was a front line of Vikings who invaded from the north, colonized Salt Lake City, invited the Toronto Raptors over for a game of basketball and beat them up, beat them up hard. Um, we'll get into the details, but uh, Keon, what were your general thoughts of the game? Um, I thought Freddie played obviously amazing today, but it just feels like the same old type of things when the offense is clicking, the defense can't seem to get a stop, especially late in the game. And when the defense is clicking, the offense is struggling down the stretch like we saw against Phoenix. It's just frustrating, and, and you hope eventually it'll balance itself out, but we've been saying that all season. So it's like it's just frustrating to watch how this team – continues to find ways to lose when they're out-rebounding their opponents by as much as they did tonight. I don't have the exact number. And and I put up – I think it was around like 20 shot more shots than the Jazz did at one point. Yeah. And yeah, it, so it's hard to believe. Just to fill in for the, da- the data, the <laughs> Raptors were 50 for 110 shots. Um. 27 more shots than Utah, who took 83. The Raptors had um, a total of 25 offensive rebounds to Utah's 13. Now, to be fair, like we saw what it was, like the reality was, like the stats don't really tell the whole story, right? Like Mm -hmm. so many of those offensive rebounds and shots were like miss, grab, miss, grab, miss, grab, and And so it wasn't like a a complete controlling of the possession game like you would normally see with this differential. But Lou Zatzman, our faithful editor, also just made a quick uh, interesting point on Twitter saying that the two greatest field goal attempt differentials have been by us. The other one was 28 against Milwaukee and also a loss. So um, that this year? That was this year, yeah. So field goal attempts, or more shot attempts, obviously not equating to uh, to a W, but it but it is interesting. Just like a, and like you said, I, it's a great way to put it. Finding ways to lose. We're running out of teams <laughs> that we match up properly to. Yeah. You know, like theoretically, we should be matching up well to Phoenix, but we can't. We can't figure out Mile uh, uh, Mikal Bridges off the dribble. We can't figure out Chris Paul. Or or Aiden for that matter, 
And then same thing. And now with Utah, it's like we they have a small backcourt. We should be able to contain them. They do have a lot of shooters, but they have a they have this like large front court that we should be able to exploit on the offensive end. And instead, we play right into their hands, right? Like we are for the from uh, at the very beginning. Walker Kessler has like four blocks in the first five minutes or something. That was ridiculous. It was crazy, and it was just basically like we were attacking, expecting for what typically works to work. It's like all of a sudden they were surprised that there were three, six, 11 dudes in the front court. Um, it's like they didn't even scout. It's like they weren't even expecting it. <laughs> totally. And then and it's like, what What do you do when you play like, when you have Kelly Olenek as your your small forward or your power forward? What do you What do? You do? It's like Alvin Williams said, it's like you make these guys move move east to west. It's like, Lots of driving kicks, lots of ball movements. And we were just doing the same old one and done. Whereas Utah was doing the opposite. It was like bang, 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 corner three uh, over and over again. So, um, um, yeah. Utah was playing really well tonight. They were like, if you look at both the offense compared to each other in this game, Utah was passing the ball so crisp, so soundly. It looked like they were a connective unit out there tonight. And the Raptors just looked like the opposite. Like, it's a lot of iso ball again. And, like, was it working at times? Yes. But, like, at the end of the day, when you're trying to get big-time possessions, big-time scores on uh, possessions where you need it, it's just – it's too one-dimensional at the end of the day. Siakam, like, we've been relying on him to score in these isolation sets. And he, he started off pretty rough. He was 0 for 7 in the first quarter. He, he turned it on a little bit as of late, but he fouls out. Freddie, he, he has triple-double. He was the only one, only player tonight who I can say played well in all facets of the game tonight. He was huge for us. Like he's been huge for the whole road trip. But, again, all its season, it's been we can't get all our guys clicking at the same time. As soon as Pascal – or as soon as Fred is having his best stretch of the season, Pascal's having his worst stretch of the season. And it's been the story like that all season. And it's starting to get frustrating. And it's starting to – you start to wonder as the trade deadline approaches what's going to happen. Bobby Webster was at the game, as um, Joshua pointed out. He was at the game. I saw on Twitter he was shaking his head a lot. And uh, I don't blame him. No, not at all. And, yeah, I mean, it's true. I think, like, Pascal – Another 40-minute, almost 40-minute game for him. He looks he looks a little burnt. He was having, and the Raptors showed this with Orlando with that like front court length, that they really have a lot of trouble figuring out how to operate when they get past that first line of defense, right? And and Pascal showed that a little bit this year, struggling when he's in a double team or he gets trapped, like making the correct pass. For a while there, he was figuring it out. Like he was making those concise passes. Tonight, it was he struggled with that. He struggled making decisions. Like there was that one travel that wasn't called late when suddenly the help came. Um, he's not getting those contact fouls, like I pointed out last game. And and even tonight, like man, you know, he he had a couple of like miscues just dribbling. But you know who played really well defensively for Utah it was Mike Conley. I feel like like he had hands everywhere. A couple of times he got um, he got Pascal on another uh, transition. He got I think Precious to break up on a fast break. So uh, that was just an aside. I was pretty impressed by that. 
Um, yeah, and you're right. Like Precious gets healthy, OG gets injured. Gary's finally like kind of like stabilizing as a consistent producer. And then Scotty kind of disappears. He goes seven for 23. Um, and I think Scotty played a pretty good game. He had 14 rebounds. He worked his tail off like I, I do. But really, I mean, this comes down to the defensive end. What did you see on the defensive side that, like, that stuck out to you? It's been a lot. It was a lot of overhelping today. And I feel like that's something we've seen, again, all season. Overhelping on drives, especially from players who – we shouldn't be overhelping on like Mike Conley. <laughs> like it, 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 it's, that's bad. It's bad. Wide open shooters like Markinen, he, he got hot in the second quarter from the three point line. He hit some huge threes in the fourth quarter. I mean, and, and Walker Kessler was like absolutely dominating on the glass. It, like you would look at the offensive rebounding advantage and the rebounding advantage as a whole. But if you watch the game and don't look at the stats, you can see that he was dominating the glass tonight. And, like, couldn't even get a body on him, couldn't do anything. The Raptors looked like they've never faced a player like that before, just going right at him. (laughs) Like, I I don't know how, like, that could even happen, if I'm being honest. But defensively, it just looked like they were letting him go anywhere they wanted on the court, like letting him get right to their spots. And it's just so unbelievable to watch when they put up these great defensive games on this road trip against like Sacramento and they had a good one against Portland and just watch them fall apart just games right after like we've seen against the Warriors and the Jazz like at some point there has to be like there has to be some consistency with the defense and obviously like the way this is going the Raptors are not going to win many more games if it's going to keep going like this yeah, and Alvin was all over this tonight. Like, a lot of breakdowns on the perimeter. They could not seem to figure out the pick and roll. Like, Clarkson and Conley were kind of getting wherever they wanted. Every time Beasley caught the ball or Obaji, they didn't have an immediate hand in their face. Like, Boucher was laid on a closeout. Gary would have his hand down. And at times, they did play good defense. But just like you're saying, as a whole, systemically, they really struggled. They just... Like Precious got lost on a lot of reads. I think like, you know, and that's excusable for a guy like Precious. Like if mm-hmm. he he's really the one guy that we can rely on as uh, as a center or as a big to play in the pick and roll and as like a help side defender. Um, and but he's young and he hasn't played many like played much in this kind of a response with this kind of responsibility. And it, it shows at times, even like Kessler is just like very polished for his age, um, like knows where, where to be positionally. But yeah, the, just the, the constant dribble penetration and, and you have to, like you're saying, you have to ask yourself, like, is this, is this a set of principles that nurse has been like demanding for a period of time now that's just not working um, because like there just really isn't an excuse for, for allowing this much penetration all of the time. No. No, that's a rhetorical yeah. question. You don't have to answer. I don't know. No, like, I, know. I don't know. It's just crazy seeing the differences between all like against the Kings where they looked like a buzzsaw defensively. And then like just within a week, like I, it's yeah, crazy. but that's, I mean, 
if you look at the Kings and you look at Portland, like what are the two, especially without Nurkic, what are the two things that they don't have, right? It's like front court size. And, and particularly like Sabonis is an, an aggro dude, but he's not like an aggro rim guy. Right. And so like, I think, I think those are the few teams we do match up with. It's why we almost beat the Warriors too, is that like, they don't really have that same threat. Um, but we just melted like butter in the face of the size. And and that has been an issue, you know, in the last couple of months against bigger teams, more physical Absolutely. teams. Absolutely. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, any positives you want to extract? I think, like, Freddie did play one of his best games. He shot a little bit better. He was four for nine from three, most of them in the third, fourth, fourth quarter out of desperation. Yeah. Uh, Triple-double, 12 boards, which is impressive. He was passing the ball well. He was getting to the rim. Like, talk about not or not being affected by bigs. Like, Freddie was at the rim nonstop, finishing under control, finishing at a high speed in and amongst trees. Like, like that. I, I've said this, I think, almost three games in a row now. Like, that was one of the best games I've seen Freddie play. Yeah, this might be his best game since he played Utah last year and had his first career triple-double. Um, it, it, it's crazy to see. Um, he's it, – it's a thing with him. You're always going to live and you're going to die by Freddie. And so far we've been – he's been great. He's been finishing around the rim, like you said, around – like it's been well-documented that he loves to go around the rim and, and take contested layups and the fans don't like it. But – Today, he was going right at Kessler. He was going right at Markin and right at Olenek, finishing strong around the rim. And he made a lot of, like, this game would not have been in the remote, remotely close at the end without no. him. He was hitting three after three where you just needed a bucket, and he got it for you. And he was great all night. He was hustling. He was, I, w- I don't want to say, like, he wasn't great on defense. Like, he allowed dribble penetration, like, the whole rest of the team. But he got a steal. He got a block. He was getting the um, little, you, you know, when, when he's when he's on the center and he's gonna swipe down. If you bring the ball down on him, he's he's not gonna let the best out go back up with it. Absolute best at it. But yeah. that that's probably one of the only offensive positives we can look at, and it was the reason the Raptors scored one twenty eight. Other than Boucher, I know we talked about that before. Boucher had one of his most efficient games, but. No, yeah, Boucher, seven for nine, one for two from three, missed two free throws. We missed eight free throws overall. Um, I really – I wanted to write about this. Like, Boucher Boucher not sitting in the corner on the weak side waiting to jack, but instead timing those cuts has been deadly. Like, he, I think he got three of those tonight. He's been getting more of them lately and reducing his trebuchet uh, – 28% shooting from three. And and that's like really nice to see. But Matt Hogg put it here, worst bench in the NBA in the last three years. And it's true. Like another awful bench appearance from multiple dudes. Um and and at weird times too, like <clears throat> like you said, it doesn't feel like we scouted this team. Like I think Coloco should be there on the Kessler minutes. And instead, like we saw a lot of Thaddeus young with Kessler and it was just like, he had no hope in hell. Um, and if anything, like I'd want to play Thad and Coloco together because Thaddeus is best kind of 
outside of the paint, not as like the rim protector, protector or whatever else. And especially on the offensive side, he's better outside the paint. That actually had, I think, how many did he get counted for? Yeah, he had three steals. Yeah, he had, he, he had like three swipes all in that one quarter, which is like he played pretty good defense. But in the second half, he struggled. And I think that would have been better to have Coloco there. Flynn, another meh uh, appearance of six minutes. Ban- we got a Delano Banton uh, sighting. And, you know, the one thing I like about Banton is to deploy him as a full court defender. Like, I think we should be doing that more when he and throwing him at other teams' best guards and just making them work for like six, seven minutes at a time. So I didn't mind seeing him there. Um, he uh, almost threw the ball away to Markin's chest, but got lucky. Other yep. than that, not much. And then that, that was it. That's all we got from the bench. So it was pretty pretty pathetic. No Wancho tonight either. And I thought that the game kind of shifted there in the fourth quarter after the Raptors went up one. Right, Thaddeus Young was in the game. Precious was on the bench, and Thad was probably the, the big man, guard, uh, checking Kessler, and he was he struggled. just struggled mightily. And that's when the game really shifted again after the Raptors got the momentum to start that quarter. I thought that was huge. I agree with you. I was actually went through my head when I was watching the game with Banton as a full court um, press guy on the just the team's best guards. Like I feel like a lot of teams do that, and the Raptors have kind of you know, lack that. Like, we saw it against Phoenix. Saban Lee, as soon as he checks into the game, is pressing Freddie full court. Yeah. Right? And that that that, that was just a recent example. We've seen that all year. And I, I think that's probably his best role. He's just so lengthy and athletic that he, he'd probably be one of the best in that category if you think about it. But other than that, just the same thing we've seen all year. No scoring, no playmaking. It's a lot of just Nothing. hustle from the bench from Boucher. And that's really what you're going to get. Yeah. And uh, we were talking uh, – I saw – and we were texting about this before that maybe one of the guys we trade three for one just get some type of bench pieces, some type of assets that can turn into something off the bench and make this team deeper for the future because no matter what you do, there's no help coming from the um, – from the inside, you got to trade for someone. You got to bring people in. We tried. They they tried to bring in Otto Porter. That that went how it went. Obviously, we know how that went. But this season, this is just it, they stand no chance. The, the starters have to play forty minutes, or they stand no chance. Yeah, shout out to Saban Lee by the way. He just got signed by Phoenix, so another nine hundred five er that makes an NBA roster. I, I think like if we let him go, let's say, but also I think. Um, commendable to the 905 that it continues to like pump out NBA talent or rehab NBA talent, however you want to call it. Um, yeah, I don't, we can get to the trade talk. I do think, you know, personnel wise, there have obviously been some mistakes. I know tonight, for example, Walker Kessler will, could have been drafted by, by the mm-hmm. Raptors if they had not traded Thaddeus <sighs> Young and the pick. Or sorry, Goran Dragic and the pick for Thaddeus Young and what turned out to be Christian Cloco. So I know that's things for a group of people. I also think uh, Delano Banton was supposed to him and or Malachi Flynn were supposed to play bigger roles this year. Like I think there's a confidence with this this executive um, team that 
that we respect and we love and like it got us Marcus Soul, it got us Serge Ibaka, it got us a lot of other like it, they they took Scotty Barnes. I I guarantee you 90% of the people are pissed off at our roster right now. Didn't we're also pissed off when we drafted Scotty Barnes over Sugg. So they've done a lot of stuff, but I think with that um with that confidence comes a little bit of like you know, betting on yourself or or betting on like what what you're seeing, and sometimes that doesn't always prove true. So, like you said, we we sign Otto Porter Jr. If you go back into his last five years, he hasn't been healthy, but for the Golden State year, so that like that was a risk. Relying on Banton and Flynn to somehow fill out the backcourt of this team was a huge risk, and they obviously saw something that uh, has just not manifested. So, um. Yeah, it is what it is. Like we can we can be mad at the at executives all all we want, but I do think that they thought about this in a calculated way and they miscalculated essentially. Yeah, I agree. A team like Toronto that doesn't bring in like no, not not a lot of free agent role players or free agents in general, but it's hard to fill out the bench and the role player pieces to this team. And like we've seen it in the past, a lot of the Raptors role players when they were winning 50-plus games, were drafted, right? Players that were drafted are players that were traded, unsung heroes. Um, So, like, they just don't have that anymore. They're not drafting Norman Powell in the second round. Instead, they're drafting Malachi Flynn 29th overall, and Desmond Bain is going 30th. Like, they're not getting those steals anymore like they used to. And it it clearly shows. I don't know. And Jesse here said, talking about Otto Porter – he probably was the only free agent that wanted to come play to Toronto. And in my opinion, that was a big free agent signing at the time. Like, just because we haven't seen that. Like, he, he was coming off a really good year playing with those guys in Golden State. And I thought he was going to be huge for us. Just veteran leader, good three-point shooter, good defender. Like, what else do you want from a guy, right? <laughs> They're, like, who you want to fill out your bench. And – it's frustrating. And hindsight's always twenty twenty. You can always look back at the draft and be like, oh, you could add this guy, should add this guy, right? But, like, it's different at the time and, and things change. And it's frustrating, but it's not unfixable just yet. I don't think it's unfixable. I think no, we just have to stay calm and we have to just watch it play out. And I think, I think we'll be all right in the long term coming with the bench because I just trust this management. Too, a little too much maybe, but I still trust this management to um, get us what we need bench pieces-wise because I know this isn't acceptable for Masai and Bobby either. Definitely not. And it, uh, maybe that's a good segue. I will say about the pressures thing quickly, like he didn't sub in until sub five minutes in the fourth, and I thought that very strange. Like he, other than the foul trouble early on, he was clearly the best counter we had to this Utah front court. And he was the only one scoring at the rim, like I almost ironically, right? Like he he was the only my brother and I were talking about it was like no one was pump faking on these guys early. And then Precious has a couple of pump fakes, he draws some fouls, he misses all his free throws, whatever. But like, you know, he played really well. And then we don't get him in until like four and a half minutes left in the game. And by then you're right, like we it had already kind of slipped through our hands. So that was kind of a curious uh choice by nurse. Um, I found that mind-boggling, honestly. What's that? I found that mind-boggling. <laughs> I know. Sitting on the bench for that long. It's unbelievable. I know. 
I, he might, maybe they're still monitoring his minutes. I don't know, but um, let's do KM and then we'll talk about the, uh, this, this personnel stuff in the trade deadline and then we'll get out of here. Um, okay. Do the honors. Who's your KM tax man, ta- man, Tam, Cam, and M tax man of the night. We'll give it to Freddie tonight. Second career triple double, second career against Utah. They were talking. I was watching. I always watch whatever the home broadcast is, and I was watching Utah. And right before the game, they were talking about how Fred, last time he played Utah, had his first career triple double, and how it's a game that he has circled on his calendar, waiting to play them again. And he added a second career triple double, and he played great tonight. The Raptors' life, the Raptors' heart and soul today was trying to keep him in it as long as he could. Um, so he deserves this honor. 100%. I said this in the Phoenix game. Like, the Freddie's role to me in this game is supplementary, or on this team is supplementary. And he saw tonight that he had to be the alpha dog because Pascal wasn't cutting it and Scotty was being shy early. And you saw him just, like, put his will on this game. And somehow, and sometimes that comes with a lot of like collateral damage and a lot of like late jack shots. There was like none of that tonight. When they were, they they went in late. Other than that, he was like slicing and dicing this team, um, finding guys. Like he again, he just had such a good game, like an efficient game for Freddie too. Um, he played thirty-seven minutes, which is like low for him, I'd say. Uh, stealing a block. He had a couple of turnovers. Refing was meh again tonight. We did a lot of complaining, but they missed a couple of calls. So uh, shout out Freddie Van Vliet, our K&M tax man, tax man of the night. I can't talk. I don't know. Anyway, um, for all of you listeners, please go check out canamtax.com If you need, you need an accountant, it's tax season. We all hate doing that stuff. And uh, I bet you they can save you a dollar or two. So go, Go check them out. Tell tell them Raptors Republic sent you, and maybe they'll hook you up. I don't know. Probably not, but no. But it's worth a shot. Uh, okay, player personnel. So trade deadline. We are nine days away, I believe. Eight eight point seven five. Um, where where are you at now? We were talking about this a little before the show. Like where? Like let's do let's do a temperature check on who who what and where. Um, OG, I think that's the big one, right? I think that you the, you want you think not, not that I want, but I think we'll get traded. If I were like, it's not like I want him to. If I just I'm just looking at the rumors and everything. Tell me what you want. I want. I don't I mean. Uh, it's it's tough, but I I want the Raptors kind of to stay put. <laughs> Inside, okay. I want them to stay put, but I don't want them. Here's what I don't want: I don't want them to trade somebody below their value because they think they have to. That's right. my fear. Okay, I don't want, and I think they they know that and they've done that in the past. They've done that with Kyle Lowry in 2021 in Tampa, right? All the way leading up to the, uh, the deadline was he's going to get traded to Philly, to Miami, it, all that, right? He had his farewell. In Tampa, we remember that game, saying bye to the camera in the hallway. So weird. <laughs> so weird. I forgot about right? that. And and all that it was, uh, he talked to the 
post-game press conference, and he ended up staying, right? And he wasn't going to trade him for anything below his value. And instead, he waited till the offseason, and he got Precious Achua, right? And that turns out great. I don't want him to, like, I saw something like the Knicks were the team that offered him three first-round pick, uh, first picks for him. If those are three protected first-round picks and we're not getting any young players back, I don't know if that's the deal I want, to be honest, right? If they're protected first-round picks, like, that's not really moving the needle. It's not really adding players. <laughs> I'm sorry, comment. That's not really adding players for me that can help you in the near future. I, I would be interested to see if they did something like Portland did last year where they traded CJ, but they didn't trade him for just draft capital, right? They traded for players that could help them in the immediate future, as well but yeah the thing i want is to not trade anyone below their trade value i don't think they're gonna do that yeah i i think that's a fair way to look at it i am almost kind of at the stay put part two and i think Grain michael grange wrote a good piece today kind of outlining like what that would look like and they can do it they can resign gary and freddie it puts a lot of pressure on them with you know guys further down the line like OG Pascal and then Precious and Scotty. Like they ha- they're gonna have to do some finagling. But here's the thing: I think, like to your point, Freddie's value is certainly skyrocketing from these last two weeks. Like you want to talk about like uh, recency bias? Like I feel like somebody like the Clippers are gonna be chomping at the bit, seeing what they're seeing. So somebody might come hard and fast. And I think you know if. If the price is so great, you can't resist. You got to do it. But I think if we re-sign Freddie and we re-sign Gary, like these guys are not going to lose value. It's not going to be like a Bradley Beal or Dame situation where as soon as they sign these massive contracts, they're untradeable. Like, in fact, having Freddie on that kind of security or having Gary on those longer-term contracts could make them more valuable next year. And so, like, I feel like something's not working clearly. Something has to change. I But I think a good start would be having a real bench, like real guys, real NBA veterans that you can throw out there and and rely on to do some actual NBA shit for like 10 to 20 minutes a game. And you integrate that with what we have now. And I think we have like a very, very good team. Um, I think what we're seeing is like you're saying fatigue and like injuries picking up or whatever else that's affecting these guys. But if we have, you know, if we can back them up and they can play early thirties, then I think, you know, we have a better potential of winning these late games and these close games. So I'm kind of, I've kind of gotten to a point where like, I'm not trading anybody. If anybody I'm trading is like Boucher, you know, I think there are probably teams out there that could use his hustle and bustle, uh, um, work ethic. And I think we could maybe get like a younger guy on a longer, on an equal contract um, and ideally a guard. So I'd be looking to trade him or anybody else on the bench for that matter. Uh, I would be willing to shop. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, if I really have to trade somebody and the price better be goddamn good, I'm trading Freddie. And I think it's just because I'm worried about giving him a max at his age and his size, et cetera, et cetera. And if Orlando comes to me with a Suggs and picks and maybe Cole Anthony, if we can get that, I think I'm doing it. I don't know. 
I agree when you say that we don't have to trade them because you can trade them even when they sign extensions. I agree with that with Gary more than Fred because I feel like there's potential Fred falls off a cliff next year on a big contract and he reaches that Bradley Beal territory. There's potential. I'm not saying it can happen. Obviously, if I am on the boat as well, I was watching this game and it's bad when I'm watching Fred play the way he plays. And the only thing I'm thinking about is his trade value, right? And the Clippers have been interested. Like they have been interested in every player from our championship team. So. It's literally, sorry to interrupt. It's literally like, you know, like, have you ever been to those bars where like the beer cost goes up and down based on like supply and demand? It's like, no. you literally have like a meter on his head, like going up and down based on like turnover <laughs> down, like three pointer, yeah. like up. That's how it feels. That's only how I'm watching it in my mind, and it's weird. Um, if Orlando comes to the rap to Masai with Jalen Suggs and a pick, I think I would take that just, like, by itself. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you throw in salary for something, but salary, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Terrence Ross coming back, too. That would be nice oh. homecoming, you know, or Gary Harris, something like that. I, I, I might take that. I'm not going to lie. It would be fun, too. Suggs and Scotty on the same team. Yeah. And then, you know, you got Suggs running point guard. He can't shoot with the Durham. Okay, okay, we hope, like, you figure that out. But he can play defense. So him and Gary is a nice backcourt. Um, it would be ugly. There's no question. But I'm just saying, like, if uh, – I don't really want to trade Fred. I don't think. I'm still – I still don't know. Like you, I'm just kind of going to sit back and see. I think – but if I am, it's, like, for a younger, longer-term – point guard and uh i don't think the clippers have anything worth offering but we'll see yeah i feel like if he's gonna get traded it's gonna have to be for a younger player and maybe terrence mann is someone you look at but i don't even know if that like that doesn't really move me you know no but that's no. like probably the most promising young player they would have it would have to be like a, a third team and i i don't know I'm not going to construct that right now, but I'm sure it's out there. But yeah, so we'll see. Um, another tough loss tonight. Any final thoughts before we check out? Uh, well, why don't we do? We'll do a couple of questions. If anybody has questions, feel free to throw them in the chat. Otherwise, we will sign out because I know it's uh, 12 a.m. over there in Tirana. It is late. I can't wait for it to get back home. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, okay, no questions. We got a game Friday, a, a must a, win against uh, the Houston Rockets. Is that right? Rockets. Yeah, a must win. This could this could be the this could be the end if we if we lose the Houston, everybody's tradable. <laughs> put them all. Put them all. Put them all up. OG to the next. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's it for us. Thanks for joining, Keon. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining all the listeners. We love you. Like us, subscribe. If you comment, it makes us seem like we're cooler than we actually are. So do that as well. Um, and yeah, we will be back on Friday against the Houston Rockets. Ciao.